This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hello, welcome back to football. I'm Zach Jackson. This is Civilized Barking Season Kickoff Edition. Um, As we record this, we're a little over 72 hours from the day we've long been waiting for. Browns and Bengals, September 10th to open the season. It'll be wild. There will be uh, two pretty good teams on the field. There will be a tribute to Jim Brown. There will be all the usual season opening hoopla. Uh, There will be a a little bit of mystery on both sides on the Bengals with Joe Burrow, who appears he's going to play. Um, A couple new guys on defense. They have their team. They're a good team. Um, It's a good staff. It's a well-drafted team. It's an experienced and big games team. Um, head coach Zach Taylor has not won in Cleveland. You better believe he realizes that. Joe Burrow finally beat the Browns for the first time last December. Um, he's bothered by that. Now, do I think this game means more to the Browns? Do I think the Browns should and will win this game? Yes, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, do I think the Bengals are pissed off by being dismissed? Yes. But Burrow was also out of training camp last year. He came in the first game and turned it over five times. And um, I'm not saying that's going to happen. If it does happen, the Browns will romp them like they did last October. But we'll see. And then, of course, the mystery on the Browns side. You know, Deshaun Watson 2.0. Is Deshaun Watson going to be not just good but great? Um, How close to great does he need to be this game in the course of the season? The new defense that looks great on paper and looks great flying off the edge with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith and Jim Schwartz here to clean up. The messes um, of his predecessor. Will Denzel Ward be healthy enough to play? Um, that's a big deal. You know, the Browns thoroughly dominated, as I mentioned, the Bengals last year in game one. But Jamar Chase not being there um, is a big deal. Jamar Chase is as good as it gets, as good as they come. So, anyway, thank you guys for coming back. Um, we did do a couple of live rooms in August. It's probably my fault they didn't make it to the podcast feed. For those of you that were able to tune in live, thank you. For those of you that read and listen and follow and tweet, uh, like human beings, civilized human beings, thank you. Um, so this will be back in the podcast feed after the games. It'll be Jason and I most times. There will be some live rooms mixed in. There will be a lot going on. So again, um, if you've been missing it, we appreciate it. It's it's my fault that a couple of them didn't make it to the feeds or we didn't do more. Um it's been a ride so chasing this team around through its various field trips and uh, all of that. So I want to touch on some big picture things, um, but let's start with Sunday. And again, you know, who knows what's going to happen? And, and everybody, all 32 teams pray that there's no Travis Kelsey situation, right, where, where a guy gets injured in practice or there's some sort of late um, diversion or detour for, for some completely unforeseen reason. I don't know that Denzel Ward's going to play. I think Denzel Ward's body and the protocols themselves will dictate that. I think it's more of a doctor's and Denzel decision than anything else. So the Browns shouldn't have played him in the preseason. You can't convince me otherwise. You can call him injury prone. You can, first of all, be a human being and say you're worried about this being his fourth head injury. Sure. He's never missed more than four games in a season. Um, do the Browns need him? Yes. Absolutely. He had a great camp. They've paid him like a top corner. He is a top corner. It's not just for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They need him. Um, They need him against a lot of good receivers. The fall off to the third cornerback is steep. If he can't go, I think it'll be Mike Ford in the slot. But again, I don't know. We have a a new defense, um, new coordinator, new cornerbacks coach. 
new guys. Uh, A.J. Green was really the fourth corner, and then he got torched in the last preseason game and got cut. So we'll see um, how that goes. Again, expecting Burrow to play. You know, the Bengals went and got Orlando Brown to block Miles Garrett to help protect Burrow better, move Jonah Williams over to the right side. Um, you know, otherwise on offense, they have Irv Smith at tight end. He's an intriguing prospect when he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy in his career, which is why he's available for nothing. Um, defensively, they got some new guys at safety. Uh, otherwise, they're they're the names you know. DJ Reader, one of the best run stuffers in the league. Uh, Hubbard and Hendrickson. On the edge. And really, you know, how do the Browns attack them? Um, how do we see Elijah Moore utilized in a game? You know, is Marquise Goodwin, who everybody's rooting for, is he ready to come in and, and get deep and really test these safeties and, and get, let Watson let it rip, right? Um, what can the Browns do to make this Watson-centric offense, make teams defend every blade of grass and, you know, make safeties and linebackers cover longer than they're capable of, try to keep up with David Njoku and Elijah, and Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper? Uh, again, you know, I go back to that last preseason game. You know, it's against the Chiefs threes, right? But when Cooper gets deep, that's because when Watson leaves the pocket, you know, safeties and linebackers are put in a bind. Do I keep covering this guy? Do I stick with my original responsibility? Even if I think I know where it's going, can I turn and run with those guys? So the Browns are going to create big plays. Um, you know, are they going to create a bunch of them? It comes down to this for me, guys. If it's a laser show all the time, they can win every week. They won't win every week. No one does. But if Watson's locked in and Cooper's healthy and they have the kind of timing and chemistry, play caller to quarterback, quarterback to offensive line, to wide receiver, um, then it's a scary offense. And I would just start by saying, you know, I've, I've watched almost every practice. I've been there for every move. I've covered this team for a long time. If the Browns hit a gear and go 11-6 and six and are real division contenders and AFC contenders, I won't be surprised. Um if the Browns are inconsistent both ways, if they don't finish games, if they mismanage games, if the pass game doesn't get to that level to where they can consistently make the big plays and they don't have to leave the pocket for every play or they forget about Nick Chubb or the offensive line picks up a bunch of holdings and illegal downfields or gets guys hurt, um, then we'll see. It's still pretty combustible to me. It's the Browns. This is an organization that's proven absolutely nothing. And I don't think Watson being better is an assumption. I mean, it is because he was so bad last year, 58% completions and, and a guy that for at least four of those six games was lost, understandably lost um, in the pocket and in the whole operation. We know he's too talented to not be better. We know that with Elijah Moore, with Goodwin, with a healthy Amari Cooper, um, with the leap that Njoku appears to have made, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, Mr. Reliable, let's not forget about him. Um, it's going to be better. I, I'm not going to assume it's going to be great all the time. We'll see. I think it can be, right? I think a general Stefanski offense in which Nick Chubb gets his carries and gets his yards, they complete some simple ones in two or three plays a game where Watson makes a wow throw, whether it's from the pocket or on a design rollout or on a total improvisation. That can be a dangerous offense. That can win you a lot of games. Uh, we have to see it. We, we have to see balls consistently caught. We have to see balls consistently on the money. Can't throw it to the other team, right? The defense has to get guys to the ground. So this, this is the general thought here. Um, and I was going to start more on Sunday, but I'm just going. And again, thank you for listening. You know, it, it's really ridiculous to say, well, Watson has to be great. And Watson being great is the only thing that matters. 
Because if the Browns have done their job in, in upgrading the talent and putting the right talent around him, and Watson being good and occasionally great will be good enough. I mean, look how much money they pay to this offensive line on the experience level they have. Nick Chubb is the best running back in the league, and if you want to argue that, he's still in your top three if you know anything. And most of you do. If you're listening to this, most of you do. A lot of you on Twitter don't know a damn thing. Um, Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper, right? They saw Elijah Moore for a certain role, the certain kind of explosion that he has that they just didn't have. And Stefanski said, I want to do this. I want to do this. And Deshaun wants to do this in terms of taking off with it. And we need the guys that can cut back to the ball and help Deshaun. They can peel off those routes and go deep. They can just develop that chemistry and go find that opening and, and Deshaun can get it. And I'll tell you this, even last year when he was clearly lost and struggling, and this goes back to spring practice, not just those six games. Every now and again, there was a wild throw and you thought, okay, this is why Deshaun Watson was Deshaun Watson. And so, um, again, we, we've seen it in glimpses. And after, um, you know, a couple of tough early August practices and then a really bad day for the offense in the second day in Philly, they came back and, and I thought they finished training camp strong. You know, um, Amari being more involved was certainly a part of that. Elijah Moore getting back from the few days that he missed was certainly a part of that. You know, so can he hold up? Can Jedrick Wills hold up? Can Njoku really catch the easy ones all the time? Because that's one of the main things that's held him back. Um, and nobody held him back in camp. I mean, I don't, you know, he was open every day, all day. The one they threw in Kansas City was, that's what we saw, not every single day, but but darn close. And so, you know, for, for the weaponry, for the experience, again, Watson's not a rookie. So, you know, I think we're going to know early, and I think the Browns can feel good about him just being good making more decisions and mixing in the occasional splash play, I think they can be good. Um, in the bigger picture for what they paid him, what they gave up for him, what they need him to be, why they wanted to make, why they were, were so desperate to make a trade and why they gave up what they did and are still doing what they do in terms of future salary cap money and giving up a second round pick for Elijah Moore and all of these things. Yeah, they need him to be great. So look, football's blocking and tackling. And Brown's football is Miles Garrett engaged and flirting with 20 sacks. And it's Darius Smith getting Miles free and getting eight or 10 sacks of his own. It's Denzel Ward being healthy. It's Denzel Ward and Emerson picking off passes. You know, it's Schwartz making a difference. It's Nick Chubb closing games that, that Watson and Garrett gave him a chance to close. You know, um, it's all those things. So it's not one guy. It's one thing. But but he has to be good and occasionally then eventually great. Um Will they make their kicks? Will they actually force more turnovers? Will they get seven instead of three when they do? You know, will Stefanski, who has always wanted to go for it on fourth down, will they go for it at the right time? Will they convert it? Again, we'll see. We'll see on these things. Um, the Browns is the Browns. Who was that? Juju Smith-Schuster, right? This is a team that has not finished in front of the Steelers in the standings since 1989. Okay, 1989. In the fall of 1989, I was in fourth grade. Okay. So until the Browns have a season where star players don't wreck cards and star players don't quit the teams and they make their kicks and they don't melt against the Jets and there aren't kids standing on the sideline when they do melt in the fourth quarter, then we'll see. I still think it's combustible for all those reasons. And, and obviously going back to we need to see them more consistently from Watson. But I think this is a good, good team. Um, I, I think offensively, 
They have extra gears, multiple, right? Um, Nick Chubb, you know, five, over five yards for his career. He's outrageous. Um, he's still in incredible shape. He's been durable. He's explosive. He's all these things. I, I was going through some game notes stuff, guys. Um, Nick Chubb in six years has 2,900 yard games. The Bengals record is 28 by Corey Dillon, who had an amazing career. Joe Mixon, who's been in the league longer than Nick Chubb, and who's a darn good running back, and it plays in a darn good offense, has 14 of those games. Nick Chubb has 29, <laughs> right? Uh, he runs through contract contact. Um, yeah, contract, by the way. Um, the Browns are making all sorts of commitments to push money forward to be able to pay for things in the future. One of those is probably Nick Chubb, but until we see differently, Nick Chubb next year is due $16 million. It's only $4 million for him to not play for the Browns. Um, if everything goes perfectly and guys are healthy and free agents perform and draft picks develop, then the Browns will keep Nick Chubb and they'll keep all these guys and they'll be just under the cap for next year and they'll need to know need to be able to do what they need to do. If not, uh, we'll see. So the other con- looming contract situation is Jed Wills, who has 14-some guaranteed for next year on the option. Um, and he's got the chance to play for a long-term deal. And we will see how that goes. Grant Delpit entering the final year of his rookie deal. They would like it to work there. Um, you know, defensively up front, Zadarius and Miles are scary. Okoronko, uh, you know, playing 50% of the downs, flying off the edge and passing downs. He, he can be scary. He can beat guys off the edge. He can free those other guys up. You know, they paid Dalvin Tomlinson a lot of money. He's been durable. He's been good in his career. He's 29. Um, he's clearly the number one defensive tackle. I still have real questions about the guys around him. I think Shelby Harris has a nice, sensible pickup. Um, Shelby Harris is 32 years old, was cut in March, and was still available in August. So we need to be a little bit realistic about what that is. But if he's an upgrade on Jordan Elliott, if Hurst stays healthy and those guys play in the rotation, then, then it can work. You know, smart football people say, you know, Schwartz's defense is they, they attack, they attack, they attack. They, they cause we, – we know all those things. They say they're at their best when they have the big three technique, the big boy inside that commands the attention. And, again, this whole thing is about, you know, Miles and Zedarius winning individual matchups or making them pay if they do have to double Miles and and things like that. So um, we'll see. You know, through the course of training camp, we we interview the the coordinators and and the position coaches. And Ben Bloom is a guy who's been on the staff. Um, he was the run game coordinator last year, and obviously that didn't go well. But they kept him. They made him the defensive line coach. Um, Ben's a younger guy, a bright guy who's been around shoot for going on 15 years now in the league and, and might one day be a coordinator. But anyway, he's one of the rare ones that doesn't just give you buttoned up cliches when you answer. And he, of course, he doesn't come out and say this is the game plan or say so-and-so really stinks. But I remember talking with him and, and saying um, or asking him something to the effect of, you know, we've seen these guys like, how good can this group be? He didn't really know how to answer. And maybe I stuttered through the question. I think if I remember correctly, I think I did. But he was like, look, we know, we know. And so, you know, Miles Garrett, 20 sack potential. Zadarius Smith, um, his whole career when he's been healthy, he has been disruptive. He looks great. Um, He's playing for a contract. So if he stays healthy and stays motivated, then that's a great trade. So uh, I think the Browns have done some nice things. They're all in on this year, right? That doesn't mean Sunday's the be-all, end-all. It doesn't mean the first four games are the be-all, end-all, even though three of the first four are in the division, and, and everybody knows that. Um, they're the only team that does that, right? Um, 
sometimes early in these years in the NFL, it's just survive and advance. It's just find a way to win that game, and eventually you get good. It's a long, long, long way to December and January, but let's not run from it. Uh, I think Kevin Stefanski's wearing the pressure on his face, quite frankly. You know, I think Deshaun Watson is fully aware of um, what will happen if, if he doesn't play well. You know, uh, the kicker situation is a nightmare. And yes, they needed to move on from Cade York, but they had no intention to because when you move on, that's somebody that another team didn't want. And Dustin Hopkins has been in the league. He's kicked in big situations. He's never been a big leg guy, and he's been hurt the last couple of years, and that's why the Chargers were getting rid of him. That's that's scary. You know, Ward's concussion history is scary. Um, the linebackers, their injury histories in injury current situations, two guys coming back, that's scary. What if Dalvin Tomlinson misses time and you're back to basically last year's defensive tackle group? That's scary, <laughs> you know? Um, we'll see. <clears throat> we'll see. So, again, if it's a laser show, the Browns are going to win, and they're going to dance, and they're going to be popular, and they're going to be scary, and they're going to get flex games uh, later in the year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's a lot of pieces that need to come together, and that, that's true for a lot of teams, so we'll see. But, but uh, they've paid a lot of money for this team, present and future. Nobody should be running from expectations for this team. Based on that money they've paid, based on the talent level, you don't make the Watson trade, regardless of his off-field situation, um, regardless of you know why he missed for two years. This isn't a guy coming back from injury. This isn't a guy who was doubted by his coaches. This is a guy who was doing some really creepy shit and um, missed almost two years of football, right? So um, we'll see. Is he locked in? Is his life good? Is his football life good? Is his chemistry with the coach and, and Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones good enough? All indications are yes. We'll see. We'll see on Sunday. So here's why I think the Browns win on Sunday. I think the element of surprise with their offense mixed with the element of firepower 
gives them a chance to build a lead and gives them a chance to attack a pretty good Bengals defense, right? Um, I think, you know, I think there are some things we haven't seen clearly, but we've seen Elijah Moore slot, running back, outside, run in motion, end around, reverse, quick screen. Um, Njoku, not a traditional tight end, slot, move around, catch quick screens, uh, break off of quick routes when Watson leaves the pocket and go. Um, you know, Marquise Goodwin occasionally playing, being able to get deep. And Amari Cooper being Amari Cooper, just making everything run smoothly, just demanding attention, just Watson knowing he'll be in the right place when they have to make those tough second and nine throws, third and six throws to put you in favorable positions. Uh, and, and the element of surprise with the option game, the misdirection game, RPO stuff, and, and just frankly designed runs to get Watson out of the pocket and make these safeties um, get caught peeking or, you know, get caught not chasing guys or not being able to chase guys. So we'll see. I think defensively, I think obviously the Bengals go and get Orlando Brown because they had some question marks at tackle and because they got to block Miles Garrett and TJ Watt for four games of the year, right? Um, I think even if the Bengals' offensive line is much better and even if it's one of the best lines in the league by the end of the year, it's A, not going to be that on week one, and B, this Browns defensive line is is going to be a pain for any offensive line, for any quarterback. So, you know, the the downside of Schwartz's style is you're going to give up some screens, you're going to give up some quick stuff, Um you know, there's going to be some more man coverage than the Browns have played, and a guy like Burrow is going to find that. A guy like Joe Mixon in the screen game or your Chris Evans coming off the bench, you know, that, that can really hurt you. Uh, and obviously just being able to throw it up to Chase and letting him go get it, right? But I, I think this Browns defense um, is going to fly around. And if Burrow doesn't trust the calf even 10% or is off on his timing and his precision throws even a little bit, I think the Browns can put him in a hole. And really eventually put them in a situation where the quick game, the screen game, all of that stuff that they want to do to both a protect Burrow and kind of feel their way into things, I think they can really disrupt that. So, again, look, if Watson's good and scores points and this defense disrupts not just Burrow but every game and you turn it over at the end to Chubb as the offensive closer and Garrett and Zedarius as the defensive closers, the Browns are going to win a lot of games. They are. They are. So, um, can you get to that? We'll see. But, you know, I, I just I, I think Burrow, having been away from football for a month, even though he's played with these guys, um, it, it's it's not ideal. And I think it should the Browns should understand that they have to win at home. They have to set the tone. They have to do these things. Um, certainly in our weekly betting column with John Greenberg, I certainly said the Browns in the first half. I think the Browns will win the game. I thought it in May. Um, I thought it before Burrow went down with the calf. I think it now. So we'll see. Like I said, I go back to Ben Bloom saying we know how good, right? I go back to Stefanski not wanting to answer the question, but basically saying we know how good we can be. To Deshaun saying, hey, Kevin's been holding some stuff back. Saying, hey, you know, we we had some good days and some bad days in the summer. We were we were holding some stuff back. We we're working on things. It's, it's time to do it. It's time for them to just go do it. So um, Sunday. It's the time. Um, again, we'll, we'll post game and then uh, obviously another huge game to follow this win or lose. You'll want to parade if they win. Um, you'll want to write off everybody if they lose. Again, that's not just in Cleveland. It's here. So we'll see. We'll see.
Um, I'm going to pick the Browns in my prediction column to have a winning record. I'm not going to pick the Browns to make the playoffs. I'm in prove it mode. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm pretty wide open on, on how things this will go. You know, um, I think they'll be one and one after two. Win then loss. We'll see. Uh, regardless if they're that or 2-0 and or 0-2, you know how do they handle the short week and beat a Tennessee team. They should have way much, way better firepower then. Um, you know, then the Ravens, who are a little bit of a mystery with their new offense and some, some holes on defense, they need Marlon Humphrey back in a bad way. We're doing the whip around stuff and the prediction stuff, and I'm like initially saying I, I think I have the Ravens in fourth place, and then I'm looking closer and saying, what am I thinking? I don't know. We don't know. Um, the Steelers are the Steelers. We've been over that 1989 stat. It's one of the saddest stats. It, it's actually now that the Browns' home uh, or opener streak is over. It's got to be up there, right? Now that Ben Roethlisberger is no longer the winningest quarterback, that's one of the saddest stats, 1989. It's time for the Browns to end that. It's time for the Browns to have a normal winning season, right? Where, no, it's not perfection, and yes, there is some up and down, but you handle that. Um, you don't have guys quit the team. You don't have all the other stuff, the finger pointing and the whining. It's one of the things I thought of in the summer. It was a fun summer. You know, it was a lot of travel going to Greenbrier and Philly and Canton and all of that. But to see Joe Thomas go in, and that's one of the things I thought of. Joe Thomas played on some of the worst professional football teams, played for an absolutely embarrassing organization. And he stood there after every game and never pointed fingers, always was positive. Last year, Miles Garrett and John Johnson and Grand Delpit sat there and pointed fingers and whined after every game. Okay. The Bengals have been five and four at the midpoint in both of the last two years. They've gone to two straight AFC championship games. When the Browns blew them out last October, they didn't lose again until the AFC championship game. So, yes, bring me the hoopla, bring me the football, bring me the fireworks on Sunday. Um, this thing will be decided later. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Um, that's it from here. So this is Civilized Barking. We'll talk to you. Maybe a live room on Friday. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it's going to go. We're feeling our way back into season mode. But we'll certainly talk to you after the game on Sunday.